This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of May 22nd, 2020, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author and podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, artist and producer, Derek Miner. What up, though? We have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we are joined by Chelsea and Judah Smith. They are pastors of uh, Church Home up there on the West Coast. Uh, and also the first female artist signed to Reach Records, Wanda, is joining us. Very uh, cool. We'll be hearing some of her debut album. I love Wanda. She's amazing. And it is a special graduate edition of the Rolling Podcast Day. We know a lot of you are graduating, and since you aren't going to get the chance to walk across a stage or party with your friends, we decided we would shine a special light on mm. the graduates mm. on today's episode. So we have a couple things planned you won't want to miss. And Cameron, I have maybe my first ever threefer slice, because Whoa. I don't know if you guys have <laughs> been following the news. This is a huge news week for pizza. Pizza's having a big week. I have three pizza-related slices that get, no pun intended, I have three pizza slices. And <laughs> each one... There's more toppings on each one. They get crazier and crazier. I really, I honestly can't wait for it. But that. I'm like on pins and needles because last week you you said you were saving something for us. And oh, so I had now, a hot take. I had a hot take. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the hot take. And I, I barely slept all week. It's still a pretty hot. You know what, Jesse? I'm just going to, I'm just, I don't even have a way to naturally segue into it. Yeah. But here's the deal. We're on quarantine. We're watching a lot of TV. That's and right. a lot of the TV shows that are trying to stay current, you know, like... American Idol and whatever they're having to do remote ones, you know, the the morning shows, the news shows, the late night talk shows. They're all doing like computers, you know, Skyping from or zooming from these celebrities homes. You're having an issue with this. I'm having a huge issue with this. And Clark, I want you to do something in post for me. I, I didn't give you enough heads up, but I want you after after I set this up, I want you to play a clip for the listeners uh, to to prove my point. So I've been watching a lot of TV, and everyone's doing their 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 special quarantine setups, right? And so I like to, especially during quarantine, I've had this, and I feel like a lot of people probably share this. I've had this like. When it comes to like media consumption, I've had that desire for like a shared experience. And I used to yeah. get that through sports. Like right. I can be watching a game, but I know everyone else is watching the same game. We might be separated in our houses, but it, unlike watching something on Netflix, it's like I know there are millions of other people at the same point in this game that I am. And there's just something comforting about that. Right. So the only thing, the only like analog we have right now for that, the only, the only other option is, is our late night shows. So I've been like tuning in to like Fallon and Colbert and I've made an observation uh, because they are essentially, they they haven't altered the structure of their show. They are doing a monologue, basically just staring into a zoom camera and it is terrible. It (laughs) is almost unwatchable. So much to the point, it shocks me how unaware they are that what is happening is so weird. So like, here's an impression. This is me doing an impression of Stephen Colbert, who I think is brilliant of him doing his monologue. Okay. Okay. He's like, so at the White House this morning, uh, uh, Trump suggested 
UV light into the lungs. That's only his third worst idea this this week. Oh, now I'm President Trump. I'm doing my little impression. and I'm just waiting for the audience laugh. Pause. And then another joke. And it's like, what is happening? This is terrible. Yeah. Like without the audience jokes, it, it doesn't work at all. So here's right. what my revelation is. Here's, yeah. And Clark, you can play a clip because it is unwatchable. Here's my revelation. Late night shows are basically terrible podcasts right now. That's all right. they are. They are right. doing the same thing we've been doing and we've been doing for years, which is looking at each other through remote settings and conducting a watchable show from our homes. Our production value is better than theirs. Like <laughs> it's like you guys you don't have anywhere else to set up your microphone except a staircase. Like at least ours we have interesting backgrounds. Like if you're going to do a late night show, they should just concede. Okay? The old format of telling you know set them up yeah. knock them down jokes just staring at a screen isn't yeah. gonna work they should just talk to this the zoom camera like a human being like right. i don't need to see the monologue just say just talk to me about what's happening in a funny way they are yeah. my put mark Marin on there put you know uh, put ira glass on there put podcasters on there because they can talk and entertain people these late night shows are terrible it, without, it, it, it could be the with, death of late night honestly without you were talking about this last week we were texting because like with it's it's the big bang theory thing when yeah. you remove the laugh track you realize how absolutely unfunny the content is uh. and you were saying like this is like like podcasting has never had that crutch and so entertaining podcasts live without an audience or any sort of you know laugh track or anything like that and and, and that you were saying to me that the be- that good podcasters are actually probably better than or exposing that television talent isn't as good as we thought it was. They aren't. I, I guarantee you watch. I, this is a challenge to listeners. Watch a late night monologue tonight and try not to groan through the whole time. Not, I, I can it's guarantee bad. you, I can guarantee you won't laugh, but I can't guarantee you, you won't be cringing at how just awful it just concede that the format does not lend itself to, yeah. to corny one-liners just talk to the camera i just the be solution. a good podcast i have the okay, solution just add a laugh track listen it would be it so could not make it, it could not make it any worse i guarantee <laughs> no, you that it is just hilarious because there's a laugh track like just just do that We've done that on this show to to test the theory. Like, what was it? Like five years ago, we did this. We did like an entire episode with like an actual Big Bang Theory type laugh track. <laughs> it was so uncomfortable to listen to. Oh. It was. It oh, was. It was. It, it well, it was just, it was so unnatural, you know right, what I mean? Like, right. Because we don't sit there and like say, in podcasting, we don't say a line, pause, pause, yeah. and then say another line, right? So like we were stepping on the laughs the whole time and stuff. It just wasn't, it just wasn't good. But. Clark, I'm, I'm going to send you a link. Just fast just forward do. a little bit into that clip and let him deliver a couple one-liners so they can hear how just painful this is, especially if this was, it's, it's just awful. According to a White House official, Trump removed Inspector General Linick at Pompeo's urging. Coincidentally, the IG was investigating the secretary for using government staffers to run errands like picking up his dry cleaning making dinner reservations for him and his wife, and walking his dog. Oh, that's so degrading. Not only did the staffer have to walk Pompeo's dog, they also had to walk Trump's dog. Didn't take long for Trump to get fired. Turn it off! Stop! 
Stop! It's the worst podcast in the world. Like he's, he's pausing for laugh breaks that aren't there. That's, I'm watching this the other night. I'm like, this is awful. Like oh. someone just please stop it. it. It's making quarantine even more depressing. Is it the pause that makes it so awkward? Like that yes. stop. Well, yeah. well, here's yeah. the thing too. Like people on podcasts talk like normal human beings, not like yeah. some robot. <laughs> reading, you know what? what he needed? He needs his Ed McMahon. He needs the person that he could be quote unquote talking to yeah. that would laugh and respond to him. Or just yeah. go off He's, script. Just go off script and be like, hey, you see Trump fired Pompeo today? What was that about? You know what I mean? Like it'd be more <laughs> listenable to yeah. and he had to walk Trump's dog in other news tonight. It's like, <laughs> this is not working, guys. It's not working. Cameron, I think you made a good point. It, it's he, He's waiting for jokes and nobody's there. Like, if right. literally if just one person was there to laugh, it would right. feel more natural and more like a conversation. Uh, to me, that's yeah. the podcast I enjoy listening to or where there's a conversation or an ensemble. I'm not a fan as much of the one person talking to the mic yeah. and there's no response. You know, yeah. I like the I like that interaction part of it. That's what's missing to me yeah. is like he's just got to be talking to somebody. But, but then you get in I, trouble because it's like you're not socially distancing or maybe Zoom. Maybe they need to do a Zoom. Just thing. Zoom. Yeah. Right. Just Zoom. Yeah. You're Ed McMahon, whoever that is. Yeah. All right. Well, moving the show along. Thanks for that hot take, Jesse. So, Jesse, you are basically saying that we need to email Mark Burnett and make a case for the fact that he needs to rethink his television strategy and and bring on more podcasters who are more talented. It it took about 15 seconds for me to listen and be like, this is not working. And man, I really wish there was some outlet where people stare into Zoom cameras and make jokes for hours and hours every single week. Oh, wait. They do, and the production value is way better, and I guarantee you we cost a lot less than The Tonight Show. We're, we're waiting on the call. We're waiting on the call. Oh, we're, we're, on ready. The call. we're ready. That's it. All right, we're moving the show along. It's time for this week's installment of... It's the hottest, the hottest. It's uh, welcome to the show, our very own Tyler Huckabee, host of Relevant Daily and the generator of most of the content you find at relevantmagazine.com every day. Person who has his finger on the pulse of what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. Does my jingle fit my overall vibe? Because I feel like I'm not the best vibe check. Um, like it's hard to do a self vibe check. It's perfect, bro. Oh, it's perfect. I wish it did, but I'm not sure. I don't know that I have quite the the sizzling. I don't know if I have that not much sizzle in my person, but it's a good. It's a. It's a goal. You bring you you bring the steak. Others of us bring the sizzle. That's okay. <laughs> not all of us can be sizzling. It's interesting. The the first story I'm bringing today is interesting. Uh, it works. It works as a nice transition from what you were talking about with late because it's bad enough with late night show hosts trying to be funny when there's no audience, no one to riff off of, no laughter. It's and that's hard when you're somebody like Stephen Colbert, who's a funny guy, but it it can. And is about to get quote unquote a lot worse. Funny guy. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you all saw this, but uh, U.S. Senator Ben Sats from my home t- my home state of Nebraska was asked to give a virtual commencement speech for the graduating class of 2020 at Fremont High School, which is his alma mater. Uh, he spent this already very strange time, and it's a weird graduation anyway, delivering what amounted to about seven minutes of cringy stand-up material in which he mocked them for being out of shape, 
promised to deliver a quote reckoning to the quote thugs in China, said that high school graduation does not matter and they won't remember this anyway, and went on a lengthy, bizarre riff about how useless psychology is. Hey, listen, hold on. I've got a hot take here, too. I don't agree with the substance of his comments. Yeah, I'll be honest. I laughed more than I did with Colbert. I'm just saying I don't agree. Listen, comedy is not safe and I don't have to agree with his jokes. But I was like, you know, I know people are hating on him and he got a lot of hate. But I just I just sat through 20 minutes of Colbert that made me, you know, want to you know, call for wall. So seven minutes pound for pound in this format, which is and this is a hard format. You're delivering stand up to no one. I get it. It's hard. <laughs> He doesn't have, well, we'll get, we'll get to the clips. We'll get to the clips and you all can be the judge. I want to read a little bit. I want to be a little background here. Uh, Sass has has spent years as sort of a rising star of the Republican party. He was, uh, he could be relied on the Trump, the value of things, character and commitment and family, even as those values were a little strained during some of the events, of the 2016 election took a lot of heat from his own party for condemning some of president Trump's rhetoric during the election year, uh, which is definitely commendable. But uh, I've, I've said, Clark, just a few. These are short, but I sent Clark just a few clips, and uh, we'll let you all see. This is this is your high school. Put yourself. You're you're 18 years old. You're already. Your Fremont has a bad outbreak of COVID 19, so things are a little shaky. Small town in Nebraska, and here's your commencement speech. Here's a few clips from your commencement speech. Congratulations, graduates. This is a big moment. Not on graduating high school, but on making the journey down the stairs from your bedroom to the living room and putting on something slightly more formal than sweatpants. Oh, your grandparents no. are proud of you. We're all proud of you. It took a lot of effort. We want to recognize your sacrifice. Oh my gosh! Congratulations, parents, hey. teachers, and coaches. Not that there's really any meaningful distinction among those categories anymore at this point. If you're a parent, (laughs) you're a teacher. Thanks a lot, China. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can't say that. I had to give, had to give that little. <laughs> I just slipped the knife that's, in. that's what I'm saying. How it's do you it's do edgy. That? It's edgy. And I don't agree with it. I'm just saying his delivery gosh. to Colbert's works better. That's all I'm saying. Because he wasn't waiting for the last Let's keep Clark, Clark, roll that next clip here. Graduates. Adults don't tell you this, but once or twice a week in real world life, someone's going to ask you to climb a giant rope. No reason. Just climb the rope. Sure, every now and then the rope is a metaphor, but honestly, most of the time, it's just a big rope and you have to climb it. If you don't get that joke, talk to your mom and dad. Back in the day when we were a lot fitter than you people are, we used to have to climb ropes all the way up to the ceiling of the gym all the time. Is anyone following what? the... <laughs> no, that, that, your... that seemed like a... What is he doing? I got uncomfortable. I'm not even going to lie. Jesse, are you going to defend that one too? Are you... Oh, <laughs> hey, I set a trap for you, Jesse. Walk right into it. <laughs> Okay, here's my challenge. Okay, I, I want I I want to get like the funniest comedian, you know, I'm on camera just standing there delivering yeah. jokes and see if it works. I'm not trying to defend Ben Sass or Stephen Colbert, but what I'm saying is like the, 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 it's not working. It does the material is irrelevant. It is too uncomfortable to see someone stare at a camera and read terrible prescriptive jokes. It just doesn't oh, work. Here, let's let's roll this. Now. I only, these are short. I, we're, we're down. We just get, we got one or two more. 
I know I'm not supposed to say this, but you're not missing out on that much because honestly, nobody, and by nobody, I mean nobody, remembers anything about their high school graduation. <laughs> In fact, a lot of us oh spend a lot of our lives trying to forget as much about high school as we oh possibly can. You know what I mean? You, you remember sophomore year. You don't want those memories to be defining for you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay, oh, like optimistic. But, they're 18. They got their whole life in okay. front of them. They, is, they think they've accomplished something, and this guy's just coming in there chopping mm-hmm. them down. Tough talk. Okay, Snowflakes. Comedy ain't safe. Sorry. <laughs> but you know what? You said, Jesse, you don't agree, but it's funny. But I'm like, do you remember your high school graduation? I don't. No, I'm not saying he's not speaking truth. It's just listen, like, why are you yeah, trying to dash their dreams? Yeah, l- listen. I mean, they're already not graduating. I know. Like, think, they don't really need yeah. to be brought much Encourage lower. You know what I mean? They are, they are graduating into one of the worst economic situations in American history. I would, well, be hopeful. Okay, okay. In fairness, in fairness, listen, I had some good... I thought my gym rope material was good. I mean... <laughs> He's workshopping here. Okay. <laughs> he's he's workshopping the gym rope material. Okay. Oh, I mean, it's not easy. Oh, it's easy. He threw in there. Did you notice that he threw in there with the gym rope? He was like, back when your parents and I were way fitter yeah, than you are. What's that about? Like, it's like, boy, he's just saying, like, this generation's all not, fat and lazy. It's my fault the gyms are closed. Sass. <laughs> yeah, right. That was my idea. Let's do one more. And I, I don't want to stress. Bod. This is the this is the commencement. I'm not I'm not cherry picking just the land and not he, you, the corner does. There's no turning the corner. So, but I do want to play. One, no, one, no, wait, wait. So you're saying that it's not a point where he goes like, okay, okay. Joking aside, fun, but now yeah, let yeah, me yeah, talk. Yeah, let me talk to yeah, you for yeah. real. He yeah, never there's does no, that. This is this is the extent of the commencement speech. And I do want to. This, this one caught a lot of attention, right. uh, including some very angry letter to the Lincoln Journal star, uh, which was the, the first paper that ever employed me is where I got my start. Uh, Clark, let's roll, roll this last, uh, roll this last <laughs> clip here. In fact, 95% of all gainfully employed psychologists, and I'm serious, there are dozens of them that are gainfully employed. Their job is really just to help people forget high school. And the other 5%, they just research hamsters who got lost in mazes, which, come to think of it, is a lot like high school, and that's why we want to forget it. Those hamsters also need their own psychologists now. Here's what I'm trying to say. There will always be money to be made in psychology. no, that's a joke. Do not. If you're headed to college, do oh not gosh. major in psychology. So how does he that end the whole speech? Does he just shut the laptop like it's like proverbial <laughs> mic? Like, I believe he says, I believe he ends it with something about grit. Like we're Nebraskans. We have grit. Uh, and I think he's, I think the last, I believe, I believe the last line is uh, make us proud, which is, you know, I guess that's her, proud. Okay. your pull out of a tailspin moment. Yes, so he just closed the laptop. Then, yeah, he, did. Yeah. <laughs> he went ahead and closed the laptop. <laughs> Thirty-four minutes, and I then bet. he says, "Be better than me." <laughs> I, I've never. Well, I say I've never. I've never done stand-up comedy that's ended well, and so I have empathy for this. Okay, I've only I've only dabbled twice, and both of them came to embarrassing endings. And I just know it's not easy. To get out there, especially when you don't even have an audience, you're staring at a webcam. Okay, Didn't you get in trouble so, with your pastor. Am I remembering the story right? He had to apologize to a cruise ship. Like both, both of those are true. Both of those are true. <laughs> it's like Jesse last week. Remember your advice when you said you have this little thing inside of you that says "Don't say it, don't say it," and mm-hmm. you just yeah. don't listen to it anymore. 
you and this governor, like, or whatever, whoever it is, same thing. Ben Sass. It's my yeah. curse. It's my curse. Yeah. One time uh, I, I was forced by my high school to write a, a letter of apology to a Norwegian Christian cruise uh, uh, weekend. <laughs> He made me address it to the captain of the cruise ship. <laughs> I joined. I joined. I did a talent show. They had a talent show night on this Christian cruise, and my buddies were like, "Hey, go do terrible comedy." I was like, "All right." So I did terrible comedy, and it, and it just went over so terribly because most of the people that do Christian cruises, particularly this line, were elderly Southern Baptist people. That even if it was good material, they probably wouldn't have liked it. And but I had to address it to the captain. Like the school made me send a letter to the captain of the Norwegian <laughs> lady or whatever it is, and let him know how how sorry I am that I subjected his uh, his you know whatever his guest to ten you know ten hard minutes of, of of material. The other time, yes, Tyler, I got in trouble with the elders at my church because I was the announcement guy and I used the time for stand up. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> And I would find ways to get the announcements into my material. But I've told this story before. Cameron knows it well. I, I was, you know, basically the deal was, Hey, if you want to keep doing this, you have to be in one of those like skits with the youth group and you got to play the devil. And so I was like, all right, I'll play. I don't know why you're casting me as that, but I will do it. And I played the devil in one of those real serious, like evangelism mime sketches to like a Michael W. Smith song. But I was like, here's the deal. I said, I will be in this corny sketch, but I get to do my announcements as the devil. And I went up and I was like, Hey everyone, uh, it's me, the devil. Um, Make sure no one comes to Vacation Bible School, which starts on Monday. Instead, keep your kids home and watch Harry Potter movies. And I did. I had, I had a whole material I had for every announcement. C.S. Lewis did it with screw tape letters, man. I mean, this yeah, is proven. This is, it's a proven this is choice material. Evident, evidently, yeah. evidently, some elders think it grieved the Holy Spirit because that's what they said in the meeting. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. The announcements oh, time uh, grieved the Holy Spirit. Well, why? Ben Sass grieved the Holy Spirit True. with his commencement. <laughs> Uh, one uh, more little if there was any time we just needed a typical politician that was the time we did not need <laughs> that, that's a good exactly. that's a good transition there too i've got i can we have a little palate cleanser here which might again i stress uh, might we don't know yet because it hasn't happened yet but this does seem like it could be cool uh youtube is hosting a virtual commencement for the graduating class on june 6th it's called dear class of 2020 and uh, most of the announcement here is just the lineup, which is uh, which is world class stuff. It's being headlined by uh, a guy you may have heard of, a couple you may have heard of, Barack and Michelle Obama, uh, and they are bringing along with them a lineup that includes Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Megan Thee Stallion, Malala Yousafzai, Doja Cat. Hang on, we're, we're just getting started here. BTS, Lady Gaga, Zendaya, Camila Cabello, Kevin Durant, Bill and Melinda Gates, Kerry Washington, Jennifer Lopez, Alicia Keys, Lizzo, Condoleezza Rice, Kelly Rowland, and much, much more. The whole thing will kick off at noon PST on June 6th. I think that, uh, I, I don't think Ben Sass can compete with that, which isn't his fault. I don't think he was given the option to. I mean, listen, Condoleezza Rice and Megan the Stallion and the same commencement thing. That's 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 crazy. That's, that's what crazy. you get. That sounds like a Hillary Clinton rally. We <laughs> 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 she was trying to make everybody think she was cool. That's where 
I'm sure your email's here somewhere. The invitation listen, listen Hillary, we haven't had a luck with email, you and I. Uh, so I'm sure it's in there. Probably it's in your other hey, server. Listen, yeah. hey, don't worry. YouTube sent you the invite. I'm sure the email just got deleted. Yeah. And in other news tonight, <laughs> yeah. that's how it's done, Colbert. Okay? Yeah. We are all we're paused. Just jump to the next thing. Don't say, "Hey, I'm sure, I'm sure they just emailed it to you." I'm, it might have just got deleted. In other news tonight, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't wait, don't wait for the pie. There's no laugh coming, Colbert. Oh man! All right. Well, that was a good palate cleanse. So that's June 6 on YouTube. You said right? That's right. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, that'll do it for. It's a my favorite song you can check out more content like that every day tyler's uh the host of relevant daily go get it wherever you get your shows uh stay tuned up next chelsea and judah smith join us sometimes i needed something this morning did a little self-help looking into therapy Had a podcast and I watched me some Gary Vee Yeah, I work hard, I don't need me no charity Nah, no, trying to stay on track Thought life on Mortal Kombat Woosa, deep breath, calm ass Either that or what's on tap Got a whole lot on my shoulders You're listening to Marty featuring Andy Minio and Tree Giants The song is The One Where I Talk to God well, today's show is brought to you by the Tyndale Life Application Study Bible. There are hard questions that go through our minds all the time, and Google will deliver a variety of sites that give you answers to some of those questions in some situations, some of the time. But a tool that we've had for centuries, long before the internet was invented, is the Word of God. Usually when we think of the Bible, we also think old, outdated, irrelevant. Many of us relate to the Bible sometimes, but what if there was a Bible for all times? That's why Tyndale created the Life Application Study Bible. Whether you're new to the Bible or a lifelong reader, this study Bible includes clarifications that help you understand the language, advice on how to apply the Bible's teachings to everyday life, descriptions of the context and setting, profiles of key Bible people, guides for finding what you're looking for, and more. That's what makes it a Bible for all times and the best-selling study Bible in the world. You can find the Tyndale Life Application Study Bible wherever you get books. Well, Judah and Chelsea Smith are the lead pastors of Church Home. They raised eyebrows in 2018 when they announced that Church Home would digitize the church experience. But given the social distancing guidelines brought on by the pandemic, they now look like accidental pioneers of our new normal. Our very own Tyler Huckabee talked to them about what they've learned about online church, why they think the old normal is gone for good, and what they're praying for for the future of the church in America. Here's part of our conversation with Chelsea and Judah Smith. So obviously you two started Church Home a couple of years ago. Uh, You raised a lot of eyebrows for trying to take the entire church experience online. And now we uh, we're all online for our church services. I'm just curious if you wouldn't mind being vulnerable. And and I don't want you to to subtweet anyone here because I express some of my own skepticism, to be honest. But, uh, but what are your feelings about uh, about kind of all of this now, given the irony of Churchill? 
uh, obviously here at church home we're, we're planning we we believe about three years ago we started to change our name and, and started to practice this idea of church at home um, for a number of different reasons vision god and then just resources and stewardship and so there are a lot of people who won't want to gather you know with 500 a thousand two thousand people and we're going to celebrate that we're going to be like that's okay uh some people um, some things will be adjusted in their life for the rest of their life. And I think celebrating and going, Hey, we get it. We love you. And we're going to work with you within community in terms of where you're at. And then there are people who, as you know, already are like, um, let's get on with it. You know, this thing's over. Let's move on. It's like, Oh man, it's, it's definitely not over. And you kind of just, I think making appeals to people, I think being incredibly compassionate, listening, learning, understanding people's context before, you know, you, you kind of jump to conclusion. Yeah. It's so interesting being in the middle of a, a global pandemic, but that affects individuals on profoundly different levels, Profound. right? For some people, the most inconvenient thing is having, Oh shoot, I have to stay at home with my loved ones for six weeks. Watch friends. Yeah, and watch, you know, watch, binge, watch <laughs> all your TV shows and learn a new language. If you listen to Duolingo, but there's other people who have lost multiple family members. And I think for all of us as followers of Jesus to, to respond with empathy and compassion is our first order and to realize that even though we are all experiencing a virus at the same time it is a very individual experience for different families and not to just open our mouths and say stupid mean things it's kind of hard to tell whether we're in the middle of this pandemic or whether we're uh, getting towards the end or, or possibly we're at the beginning tell me how you're feeling in terms of church uh tell me what what do you think we're going to need to be aware of as christians in the days and weeks and months and potentially years ahead here uh what things do you think we need to be mindful of yeah it's 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 been a uh a really interesting emotion i think both chelsea and i uh, no way, no how, no possible scenario did I think that church at home would be mandatory. But even the name church home, one H, one word, like I remember our board just being like, I don't know. And I'm like, I know City Church is such a good name, but I just feel like our future is church at home. And so um, in that regard, it's pretty easy to be like, listen, I had no idea. Um, I will say it's definitely added some confidence to some of our key leaders in our church, to be honest, you know, just speaking candidly, kind of like, wow, maybe you, maybe you're kind of hearing a little bit from God to, to an extent, you know, and I'm like, I think it's added confidence in us and ourselves too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And and I'm so proud of Judah because he hasn't gloated and he could have and good job. Now is yeah. (laughs) More than ever. It would never be the time for that. You hear people talk a lot about the new normal and, uh, and I, think that we don't we're still in such a transitional time that it's hard to know whether or not this is the new normal or whether the new normal is still coming but for you just looking ahead into the future for your own church for church home uh, what do you think the lasting legacy of this pandemic season is going to be uh, just as far as you can see right now the likelihood of uh, 2,200 people gathering within the next year is absolutely not going to happen. So we're at a place now where the reality is we, we won't have a massive gathering or a, I should say it's not massive, a full large gathering for quite some time now. And 
it's definitely put an impetus on, okay, this church at home, this is, this is our vision. And we believe that actually people can connect on a level that frankly could very well be deeper and richer and fuller. And so uh, we're, we're planning right now, we're probably functioning right now as if that would never happen again, although it will, that's probably our mindset. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, and I think for us, the reality is we didn't start this out of a pandemic. We started it out of a vision. Right. And, and the vision was if we're going to truly fulfill the great commission and reach our cities for Jesus and get people planted in community, if every church building within the city of Seattle was full five times over on a Sunday, it's still those church buildings could still barely contain the amount of people who are in the city of Seattle, let alone the world. Well, but they could and, contain, yeah. And so, and so for us, this is, it's, it's, it is, it's not exciting because people are dying, but it is um, invigorating. Maybe is a better word to see that, to see that community is really happening. People are genuinely oh, meeting man. Jesus every, every Sunday, every Wednesday we have a service. And, you know, it's kind of one thing that it's one thing to think something will work, but then to see it working, it's, it, it's really exciting. Yeah. And so there's definitely a part of us that hopes that churches all over America would realize and all over the world would realize this is a viable way to do church because it just expands their capacity and it expands kingdom money and resources so much further. So we do hope it will, it will last beyond the pandemic. with Chelsea and Judah Smith. You can check out more of that conversation over at relevantmagazine.com. You're listening to Cannons. The song is Fire For You. Well, today's show is also brought to you by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? I know I've gone through a lot of seasons of life where stress and busyness really weighed me down. And I know a lot of people are struggling with mental health right now. That's why there's BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment, which is not only great for the season we're in, but is so convenient even when things get back to normal. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video and phone sessions. And you can send a message to your counselor anytime. To top it all off, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. If you want to start living a happier life today, try BetterHelp. And right now, as a relevant podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash relevant. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash relevant. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? I have three pizza 
slices <laughs> and another and another news tonight <laughs> okay uh no but seriously guys this is a big week, week for pizza i'm gonna build these up in in order of how much extra toppings they have how, how how much you can really seek your teeth in starting with a thin slice moving all the way to chicago deep style oh my <laughs> it's my pizza slices okay first up <laughs> hey you, have you guys been watching the last dance the michael jordan doc yeah but i'm way behind so oh well i have a pretty big spoiler here because i I'm not a Michael Jordan fan. So that's right. Well, it's, it's a fantastic. What? Yeah. No. It's, it's, I, I am an Orlando magic fan. And then the nineties was Shaq and Penny. I, you know, we battled them in the playoffs when he came back from baseball. Oh, he stole your soul. I'm not, I'm not a Jordan <laughs> fan. You know who I was the only player in the NBA I've ever been a fan of that was not on our team. Charles Barkley. I was a huge Barkley fan in the nineties. How, how, how? I don't know. The round mountain rebound, man. I just identified with him. I played like him. I like He was like my basketball hero back then. But like, and then like he was like battling Jordan for MVPs and stuff. I just want a Jordan fan. Man. Uh, okay. Everybody I loved Jordan. I like the underdog, you know? So like Jordan okay. was the goat. Okay. I get it. I'm, I'm rooting for the Charles Barkleys, the guys who shouldn't be in the conversation, you know? Yeah. Well, well, e- either, you know, the, the, towards the end, and Jamie, I apologize because this is a storyline coming. I but, saw the news uh, you know, when it happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, so Jordan, <clears throat> famously, part of his legend is that he played in a playoff game uh, that they call the flu game. He was obviously, when you watch it back, he was obviously very, very ill. Now, there were rumors that some people were calling it, maybe, what if it was like a hangover game? What if he was like partying or something? There are these nefarious assumptions made about Michael Jordan about why he was so sick and whether it was the flu. The documentary this week uh, actually set the record straight, or at least what they say with the record straight, was they were staying in a hotel in Utah, and Jordan was hanging out in his room with, his kind of, with some of his buddies and got hungry and decided to order a late-night pizza. Now, according to Jordan, people who were in the hotel room that night, five people came to deliver the pizza, and everyone else in the room thought that was a pretty big red flag. Why would five guys come to deliver a pizza? Well, Jordan was the only one who ate it, and he claims that he was poisoned by pizza by Utah Jazz fans the night before a playoff game, that it was horrific food poisoning. One, I don't even know how you... If someone says, hey, man, poison this pizza, like put something on there that they're not going to taste, that they're going to get sick, I wouldn't even know where to start. But the pizza guy who actually made the delivery has come forward. And this is, this happened 20 years ago and claims that it's a lie that Jordan was not poisoned by pizza, that it was just a flu game and that he was actually a Jordan fan in Utah and wanted to deliver the pizza personally and brought some friends along because he, he was such a Michael Jordan was such a hero. So that's pizza slice. Number one, hmm. a controversy. What, what do you think? What do you think the real story is? I think it was the flu. I don't think he was poisoned. Derek, did you watch bruh, the last episode? He's, bro, he's lying, bro. He was drunk. <laughs> you think so? That man is lying. See, here's... Bro, I, picture this. John Stockton coming to the Papa John's guys like, look, I just slipped this on yeah. his pizza. Right? <laughs> bro, I'm just not yeah, I don't buy, I don't buy poisoning, mom. but like, yeah, the flu thing. I mean, if but, he's but, up but, hanging out with his buddies all night, he doesn't have the flu. Well, hey, look, look. Well, they all would get the flu. Right. Yeah. He just confirmed that he was drunk. Like to me, that's literally. I've ordered a pizza and just ate it myself. Look, look. No, I, I'm not, here's the thing. He, in the documentary, he talks about drinking. He's drinking beer in the locker room. Okay, he's got no shame. There's literally a shot of him before a game drinking a Budweiser, like drinking a beer with a cigar. But he's smoking before a game. I don't think he cares about that. I, I, I don't think that's a big deal to him. I think something happened. I, I think it was. I think it was a flu. I don't think it was the pizza, but it's. So, so I wanted to jump down the pizza rabbit hole because 
I, I was searching for more information about this story because I was very interested in it. Uh, it just seems like a great NBA weird conspiracy. Yeah. Turns up a lot of pizza headlines. Uh, uh, DoorDash is in the news this week because, uh, you know, everyone's doing the DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats thing. And DoorDash is in the news because a pizza owner Googled his, he got, he got some phone calls about, hey, your delivery service is really lame. It's, it's getting here late. And the guy's like, I don't even have a delivery service. So he Googled his own pizza restaurant and saw that a delivery phone number came up. This was placed by DoorDash, who he does not have a contract with. And they were using it as a way to, as sort of like a, they were going to offer this as like a proof of concept to the, to the business owner. I guess this is one of their standard operating procedures is to go and show them, Hey, look, we set up this Google ad and all these people ordered the pizza. Well, he found out they were, DoorDash was skewing the data because they would buy a $24 pizza from the pizza restaurant and resell it online and deliver it for $16. So that when they came back to the restaurant, they could show, look how many people ordered pizzas, even though they were selling it at a lower price. So this guy didn't think this was very cool, this pizza shop owner. So he he started ordering his own pizzas for DoorDash. because And because of the price difference, he was pocketing eight bucks a pizza. He wanted to see how much he'd get away with. And if he could make the margins even higher, he started shipping out. He started ordering boxes of dough and, and did the same thing. Thing because he didn't have to pay for the ingredients. He eventually stopped the ruse, uh, but it, it got a lot of attention for DoorDash. Uh, so anyone want to guess how much DoorDash made last year? They made $900 million. Do you know how much they ended up their take home from that was? They lost $450 million. $450 million. Oh. I, I read this Isn't too. That crazy? Isn't that crazy? It's because of this exact practice that they're going in and they're trying to undercut the menu prices of restaurants, independent restaurants to get people used to ordering that restaurant from DoorDash. Then when they get the contract with the restaurant officially, they jack the prices up. And so if you actually go on to DoorDash, a bunch of restaurants are actually going to be more than the menu price on the DoorDash app. Some are the same and then some are below and you never know. You just assume it's menu prices and it's not. And they are losing $450 million a year right now. Yeah. Yeah, I have a friend who has a restaurant here in Nashville. He hates DoorDash. He said he he doesn't even put his stuff on there, but they create profiles yep, yep. and and all of that, and then they just show up. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's crazy that that's even a thing you can do. But that's that's a weird business. But also model. Grubhub and the other ones too. They're all losing money just delivering food. I was reading about this because I'm fascinated by it. It is not profitable nor sustainable. And so like mm. until like Grubhub or DoorDash can figure out another part of a business model, kind of like, you know, a lot of a lot of dot com startups, they'll they'll lose a ton of money to build up a massive user base and then they'll figure out how to monetize it. So like TikTok, no ads, huge, huge right. base. Now they're going to start presenting for advertising next month at the digital advertising forum. And now you're going to start seeing ads on TikTok. So same thing. DoorDash is just trying to get right. a massive user base. And then they're going to like jack around the prices or they'll add other components or whatever. But who knows if they'll all make it? I mean, Uber Eats, yeah. DoorDash, Grubhub, they're all, they're all, they're all losing money. Well, well, this, this final story comes from Grubhub. Well, Grubhub is, is, is a part of this story. And look, I love the hustle. Okay. I got no problem with people trying to get creative. Look, we're all quarantined. The economy's in trouble. I get it. I get that, that restaurants need to figure out a way to get more business. So a, 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 this, this involved a, a guy who wanted to order some pizza. He pulled up his Grubhub app. 
And he's like, oh, I've never heard of this place. It must be new in town. Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. And he's like, oh, you know, they got a pretty good deal on pizza going here. And I'm going to try this new place out. Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. So he orders a pizza. He's waiting for the pizza to come. And he opens the app. He's like, I wonder where this new place is. It's weird that a new pizza place has opened during quarantine. You know, but but I'm going to look at it on the map. Cameron, did you read this story too? I did. I did. I don't know how I got down the pizza rabbit hole this week, but I did a a deep dive on this story because I watched a bunch of videos afterwards. I know where you're going. So, So he he, he looks at the location of where the pizza came from. And when the Grubhub driver gets there, he asks him straight up, did you pick up this pizza from Chuck E. Cheese? Am I about to eat a Chuck E. Cheese pizza? And he goes, yeah, dude, I, I ordered from Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese, because they're not bringing any people into the quarantine, have launched a, a, a pizzeria called Pascali's Pizza Wings. Now, Pascali is a member of the animatronic band yeah. that plays with, with Chuck E. Cheese. You he's know, the and, drummer. Yeah, he's... This this is is so he's like, the drummer is like this Italian <laughs> chef character, and that's Pascali. Yeah, right. that, yeah. And so I, apparently, Jesse, this Pascali's pizza is supposed to be higher end, like it has a little bit more sauce <laughs> than the normal well, cardboard well, pizza. Well, hey, hey, the... the uh, <laughs> it was com reached out to Chuck E. Cheese to ask if they could see a list of both ingredients. They did not get an email back, <laughs> but they did say Chuck E. Cheese is proud to share kitchen space with Pascali's oh, pizza and wings. So it's the same. It's coming from the same kitchen. So I, I, I don't know how elevated it is. Like I said, I appreciate the hustle, but the fact that they even named their pizza restaurant off a problematic Italian stereotyped drummer, that just shows me they it. didn't think this whole thing through. The you know? were, if you do a research on this, this, uh, like the, the different characters in that band, there's a storyline that attaches them all. So Pasquale, the drummer, was the owner of the Italian restaurant where the rat Chuck E. Cheese showed up. Oh, and so like okay. there's apparently like a relationship there, kind of like Ratatouille back in the day, you know? And so it's like, you know, there's a whole relationship there. And you know, like Chuck E. Cheese took over Showbiz Pizza. Do you remember Showbiz Pizzas from the yeah, 80s and yeah, 90s? Yeah. And so Chuck E. Cheese, so Showbiz bought Chuck E. Cheese and then in 92 they renamed the entire chain Chuck E. Cheese and so they had to go in and take all these showbiz pizzas bands because the Chuck E. Cheese franchises never had a band they never had the, the animatronic band all the showbiz did so they had to take Chuck E. Cheese characters and put them on the showbiz pizza like animatronics and stuff and so anyway that was all how the do 90s, you know so much about this Cameron I did a deep dive <laughs> after Pasquale's I'm telling you because number one, I had my 10th birthday at Showbiz, and I remember, and I missed the big ape and like in the cheerleader mouse and all that. I admit, yep, and to me, that's yep. the OG. And I'm not, I'm not into the Chuck E. Cheese, you know, version. I give me Showbiz back. I don't know why they ever changed the name, but anyway. Yeah, I, I don't think they. I don't think they've thought a lot of things through. I mean, they're like, "Hey, this is going to be a very greasy restaurant where little children spread germs all over video games. What can we make as the mascot to alleviate people's sanitation concerns?" And they're like, "I got it. A, rat. a giant nasty rat, and make him stand up in front of everybody and sing the whole time." And, just, and my son is and terrified. A lot of kids are scared of that rat. Terrified. That thing is So where I ended up after reading this article was there was a YouTube video of 10 times the Chuck E. Cheese band broke. And it's like, so the, like, it's just people who were there at the restaurant, you know, filming it or whatever. And like Chuck E. Cheese's eyeballs start going crazy <laughs> or, you know, like the 
the camera thing starts spinning crazy. Anyway, it was really funny. Like, and imagine how traumatic that'd be to like a four year old like celebrating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that one oh, time. Yeah. You know, Chuck E. Cheese got off stage and beat up a dad right there in front of all the children. It was it's an assault. It was just a physical assault from Chuck E. Cheese. Shocking, oh, shocking stuff. Chuck E. Cheese. Don't you know play, what? Though? I'm thinking about this. That you said this, Jesse, about Chuck E. Cheese and even Dave and Buster's and stuff. After this quarantine, after this pandemic, I mean, even after there's a vaccine, people will, I feel like we're at a 911 moment. Like after not, after not 911, after 911, uh-huh. travel forever changed. You can't go to the gates anymore. Security is a real thing. You know, like, I mean, like it just changed. And that's just like our new normal. And we adapted. I feel like after this season, we're all going to be so germ conscious that we're going to be, you know, maybe we won't need to be six feet away from each other forever and things like that. We won't be wearing masks forever, but, but social distancing will forever be in our minds. I think. So you're going to Dave and Buster's and it's a tight quarters and there's a lot of video games and a lot of greasy hands are all over the video games or you're going to Chuck E. Cheese. I just don't, see that being a successful business in the future the other thing with dave with dave and buster she's like all right let's we got to make our menu here remember people are running around touching things with their bare hands that a thousand children have had their hands on what should we do for menu items they're like well whatever it is make sure every item is only consumable with your bare hands like pizza (laughs) potato sliders tacos nothing is even possible to eat with the silverware and it's like you might as well just go lick the golden tea little spinning ball because that's what you're doing. Everyone's going to carry wipes with Here's them the everywhere now. Uh, we're going to all have wipes and everywhere oh, we yeah. go, we're going to wipe down everything. So like a gym. So like, okay, yeah, use like equipment. How you wipe there's down a wipe right there. Yeah. I wipe down the equipment. Yeah. So you think like video games will be like that or arcades and stuff. They'll probably, they could do like they do at gyms. They could have them on the little, you know, how they have them on the, the stations and like, please wipe down your video game when you're done playing. I can see that. I can see that. I don't know. I think it depends on what region of the of the country you're in. One, I'll say this. If you want to know if uh, Dave and Buster's Chuck E. Cheese is going to survive, first things first, you have to look and see if the $5 movie theater is surviving. If that has survived, hmm. then anything can okay. survive. So I would say that. And then number two, one thing about it, Tennessee does not care. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you now, they're not putting no hand sanitizer out. They're not putting none of that stuff out. You're going to get sick and and that's going to be that on that. So I I, I don't think I personally, I, I somewhat feel like there'll be things that change. But one thing I know about, I feel about humans is if something is really, really inconvenient, then they'll just go back to what they've always known. And I, I just think... Yeah, but, but TSA, uh, that's inconvenient. Everybody complains about it, but we get it. We want to be safe. And so yeah. we'll complain, but we don't want it to go away. We want to have security, you know, so we have peace of mind. Yeah, but we still got people protesting yeah. like hoaxes and they're like, this is a hoax. Like Tennessee is, is hoax. Like Tennessee's like, yo, yeah. let's get this money. I don't really care. This is fake. It's something cooked up. Like I literally had somebody in the studio and, and that's exactly what 1. the person 5 said. 1.5 like, million people in the yeah. U.S. have it right now and 90,000 people have died. That is not a hoax. Yeah. People do. I'm telling you, man, there's something there's something about people feeling like it, it's almost like if it's not co-signed by whatever echo chamber they listen right. to, yeah. then they're not going to they're not going to take it serious. Like, that's kind of the thing. You just you it's so you literally have two opposing thoughts and it's really not over science, per se. It's really mostly over politics. Yeah. 
So I just feel like in certain areas of the country, you're going to see all the hand sanitizer you can see. But in other areas of the country, people are just going to be like, hey, just, you know, wipe your hands on the back of your jeans. You'll be all right. <laughs> I, you know? I mean, here's here's the, here's the canary in the coal mine. OK, this is the canary in the coal mine for America. As soon as bullet alleys start opening up, we're in trouble. OK, <laughs> going to the bullet alley is predicated on putting on someone else's shoes and jamming your fingers into holes that uh, you have no idea awful. whose fingers have been in there. All you know is a lot of other fingers have been in there. I, I You gross. open the door to a bowling alley. Have you guys been to a bowling alley recently? Yeah. You open the door and you're hit with like this kind of fog yeah. and you're like, it's kind of a mix yep. of cigarette smoke and visible germs in the air that are just kind of floating around. <laughs> you literally you know? want to change clothes when <laughs> yeah. you get home. You're like, I need new clothes yep. after that. Yeah. I mean, they yeah, at least well, spray the shoes with Lysol. So, I mean, that that's one thing. But who, what was the last time they've cleaned out the holes of the bowling ball? Yeah. Like I said, this 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 will tell us whether you know how we're going to tackle this this pandemic. I've literally seen friends that I'm bowling with before they pick up the ball, they'll lick their fingers. Oh, they have a little bit extra grip. Uh, you know, yeah, just we're not doing grip. that anymore. You know where you can go to be safe right now, though, you guys? Costco. Costco is yeah. not playing around. They are, they not, are not playing, playing around. around. Not playing. You got to wear a mask, and I'm like, look at you. You don't even care. I love it. Have you seen the fights over that? Yes. And yeah. people fighting, they're like, yo, you got to put a mask on. I ain't putting no mask on. Like, and, and Costco's like, cool, you can't shop here. The one guy this week, he went viral. <laughs> he was like filming it. He was like, when I checked, I woke up in a free country. And the, and the worker said, thank you very much. You're not welcome in our store and took his card away. Yep. And like, it was like, <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, here's why. I'm, look, if, if 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 Costco customers are complaining about a mask, I've been to bowling alleys where the shirt policy seems a little loose. So <laughs> I, I, if they're not even putting on shirts, man, you know, we're in trouble. We're in trouble, guys. I, I ordered uh, I ordered reusable masks this week and I have a collection in, in the cars, you know, so it's like when we go in somewhere, we'll have an option in the glove box to grab something. So yeah. I'm not a mask fan, but playing along for the greater good. I mean, that's the thing is like, this isn't about, even if you're not worried about your own health, like you could be transmitting stuff to other people. And if you care about, and I'm going to go biblical here. If we care about others, we should take precautions for others sake, not our own, you know, it ain't about laws and liberals or conservatives. This is about caring for the vulnerable in our population, the elderly or people with, you know, immune diseases or something like that. Like, why do you want to be, lawless i mean this is crazy you stop at a red light don't you you know you you, yeah. you have a driver's license you you have car insurance i mean like there's things that you do that you are doing to protect others and being a member of society and like i don't understand why we can't just adapt to this situation you know like why people are doing this yeah, yeah i feel like it's a social experiment almost like like i saw a, i saw a politician say that they were okay with dying of in the coronavirus as long as they can get the economy back running for their grandkids. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I think your grandkids want you more than they want a trust fund. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it, it, I, I don't know, man, I, I, to me, it's, this is a crazy time, man, but I, I hope that we can get to a happy medium, but I think the only way that's going to happen is if the leadership of the country gets on the same page. Cause then there's a, there's a message that everyone can get behind, you know, but it's so extreme on both sides that it just feels like the country's kind of 
divided in the same way. Too. I, I, my gut a month ago when 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 the government was unified that we have to do something, you know, for yeah, them yeah. to take care of our citizens and all that stuff. I was like, this is a short window because there's gonna be a lot of people that whether it be they lost their job or they have economic uncertainty, you know, uh, they're going to get antsy real quick, you know, and then people who are just stir crazy at home. I mean, we have families and homes, but I mean, imagine if you were a single person in New York in a studio apartment. I mean, you're just like stir crazy. I just feel like society was going to want to get back to normal quicker than Mm. the, you know, would be the, uh, uh, you know, maybe the scientific community would advise, right? And then that's going to create a tension and a split in America of the people saying, I want to get back to normal and the people saying, but we're not ready yet. And that's where we're mm. starting to step into. And mm. the question is going to be about if we're waiting for a vaccine, I mean, that's a year, you know, end of the year at the earliest and then probably more like mm. a year from now. What is the version of society bef- between now and then? And then, man, on Instagram this past week, Relevant posted uh, an article that Jesse authored talking about how statistically Christian millennials are more susceptible to propaganda and conspiracy theories than other populations. Mm. You would think it was like your crazy uncle on Facebook, but it's actually young Christians that are more mm-hmm. likely to believe stuff that's unproven. We posted this thing and normally our Instagram comments are nice and friendly. But some crazy person (laughs) must have posted this somewhere and they came out. It was nuts. All these anti-vaxxers came out and just were annihilating us. And I'm going, all of a sudden, anti-vaxxers are converging with the, uh, the coronavirus is a hoax people. And like what happens when I, even if a vaccine comes out, they're going to reject it because of all these other reasons, whether it's political or, or religious or whatever, like there is not a thing where America agrees on how to move forward. You know, like that's right. what I'm saying is like, I there's we, some very hard lines being drawn right now. And, and we're listen, just at the I'm, beginning of it. I'm willing to do, yeah, yeah. I'm willing to do my part. And that's not just throwing my thoughts out there for discourse on Instagram yeah. and having people call, literally call me a communist. Okay. I can make those sacrifices. The real test will be when I go to the bowling alley next time. Between shots, I like to use the little holes as french fry holders. And now it'd be pretty inconvenient if I got to eat them out of that little paper tray when I usually like to put them, jam them in the holes and just use my mouth to pull them out between shots. Yeah, that's what it's, be last time I checked. I'm still in free. Last, last time I checked, just a free country yeah. guys. So I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I seen Jesse. He, he puts it on the center of the table in the bowling ball. He fills the little holes with ketchup, and that's how yeah. Just dip them in. Just dip them. I mean, it's convenient, and then just yeah. And it really, I mean, I can really put some spin on that bad boy yeah, when it's ketchup. all greased up yeah. with 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 watered down that's bowling awesome. alley ketchup. Oh my god. Water down bowling alley cats up. Yeah, it's it's the dream. I mean, right. it glides right down there. All right, what do you have, Jamie? All right, this kind of goes straight into what we've been talking about. So, so there's this article out about that says two thirds of U.S. Christians believe COVID nineteen is a message from God. Mm. I gave you a moment huh. for, for the laugh track. Um, <laughs> two thirds Christian believe coronavirus is a message from God. In other news, In other news. <laughs> uh, so there's this poll that just came out and uh, uh, from the University of Chicago Divinity School 
And it says that one third of American Christians feel strongly that God is using COVID-19 to tell the public that they need to change. And roughly the same number feel the same thing somewhat. So there's like feel strongly and then somewhat. So we've got two thirds of Americans who fall Christians who fall into feel strongly or somewhat said the the study said that evangelicals were the most likely to say they believe the pandemic is a sign from God with a full 43% agreeing compared to just 28% of Catholics and mainline Protestants. Black Christians were also more likely to say they see COVID-19 as God's way of telling humanity that it's time to change with 47% agreeing compared to 37% of Latino and 27% of white Americans. So this is a big thing. You know, the Guardian spoke to someone, a professor of religious studies at Yale, and they said that she attributed the number to Christians feeling fear that if we don't change, this misery will continue. Hmm. So, and over half of American Christians are confident that God will protect them from the virus with 55% saying that they feel that they trust God to keep them safe. So a lot of American Christians are saying that they believe that COVID-19 is God saying, Hey, you need to change, I guess, or else I don't know what the, or else is, but how, how do you feel about that? Cause like my thought is like, did God do this, you know, or, or on the other side, my mindset is more, what can we learn from this? You know, it's like, Mm. I don't know that God caused it or, you know, obviously he's sovereign. We believe he's sovereign. Everything that happens, he allows, or, you know, he's in control. He's still in control. But in fairness, it's not, I mean, again, I, I don't, I don't really have too much of an opinion on it, but in fairness, it wouldn't be out of character for God. I mean, I mean, he literally sent plagues to to warn Egypt yeah, numerous isn't that times. The old old covenant, new covenant thing though. That like that's not. <laughs> I mean, he said he's gonna. I mean, I, again, I'm not saying I believe this, but I I think there the for people who do who say this is a message from God, there's a biblical precedent for it. Sure. I mean, even when Jesus died, you know, like you know, the Bible talks about what the weather was like. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, and how, how dark it was. It said people literally got out of the grave when he when yeah. he died. Yeah, yeah the, the, the sky yeah. became dark in the middle of the day. You know, yeah. or, or, you know, you look at Revelation, the whole book is predicated on God issuing more and more dramatic signs of human to, to humanity. So I wouldn't say it's outside the nature of God biblically, but is it, you know, it, does that mean like, oh, well, we shouldn't worry about it. God brought it here. He'll take it away. Or is it kind of like, hey, maybe this is, uh, you know, a global pandemic that started because viruses evolved in God's creation. And, you know, obviously it, it causes a degree of self-reflection of how we're living our lives and, and what our social lives and where our priorities are and where our time is. Can God use those observations to reveal things about how we could live differently? I think so. But I, I don't think I don't, like, like, you, like you guys are saying, I don't know necessarily that he was like, I've got a plan and I'm going to create this virus and, you know, kill all these people so that. You know, people put down their phones and enjoy time with their kids more. You know what I mean? Like, I think the implications right, right. are kind of concerning. I think where I land on it is I 100% believe that God is in control of all things. Like, I think that he keeps things moving, that he keeps things working. I think he's sovereign. I think that he's not sitting up wherever he might be, whatever that means, going, well, I didn't see this coming. You know, like that he is a mm. God who allows things to happen um, in my belief that would be for our good and for his glory. Like that somehow it's a mystery. It's like this great mystery that we don't understand. Why do things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? It's just, we don't get it. Um, But the thing that causes me frustration and problem with articles like this is 
I would like to know where someone could, and, and this article didn't say that someone was saying exactly what we needed to change, but we have seen this happen before in other catastrophes in the world where someone will come out and say, God did this so that we would do this. That's where it gets a little, a struggle for me of someone just saying, God is causing this because he hates this about us. And that feels like, I, how do you know that he, did he tell you that? Like, how do you know that? And maybe he did tell them that, I don't know. But so- Articles like that make me nervous a little bit, even though I do believe that God allows things and they have to cross through him before they come to us. My frustration with Christianity in general at times is is that whenever we don't understand something or it's scary, we say it came from God and it's to teach us a lesson. Mm-hmm. Like and and that that's problematic because that's not I mean, we blame God for a lot of stuff. And some of this is not like even when you look in the Bible in the Old Testament, when the Lord would send plagues, one, he would give clear instruction. He wouldn't just send stuff without warning. Like even when you look at Jonah going to Nineveh to the Ninevites, he went to them and and sent a prophet and said, hey, guys, if you don't change, the Lord is going to judge you. Like he doesn't he doesn't just do things out of uh, without grace or without whatever. So if you even even if you took that, like where was the warning for this? Where was a prophet that said, hey, COVID-19 is coming. You guys should change or he's going to judge you in that way. So I think that's my issue with that. I think sometimes we often... I think another reason why that frustrates me is it often absolves humanity of its responsibility. Mm. The reason why the weather is jacked up is not because God is sending a sign. It's because we throw our plastic and our trash everywhere and we don't do what the Lord, if you believe the Bible, what he told Adam to do, be fruitful, multiply and, and take care of the earth like we don't take care of it. So now tornado seasons are becoming bigger and hurricane seasons are becoming bigger because we literally will will sell the earth out to make a little extra money. And I think that that's not necessarily God. That's the Lord saying, hey, I built the earth to work a certain way. And you guys haven't done your job. So therefore, you're reaping the benefits of that. Like, so I think that that's my big issue. As far as this virus, I'm just like, just because we don't understand it and, and, and it's fearful doesn't mean that God cooked up a virus and sent it down to tell America, get right. Like, no, we've been saying everyone knows that we need to get right. People get, people get right whenever they have an experience with the Lord, not because he just sends viruses down and and then all of a sudden everyone's going to get saved. I don't see that. I see people being frightened, but you know, I, I guess that's my frustration. We can't just throw everything we don't understand and that's fearful in a box yeah. like, and say, God did it. Like that's, that's I don't, I think that's, I think that's and we bad, live We live know? in a very broken world where there's viruses and there's diseases and that's, a you yeah. know, it's part of the fall of humanity. I've just reread the article and I don't think, unless I'm missing something, that they're specifically saying uh, that Americans need to change, you know, or else. Uh, but that is the sentiment sometimes that comes with these. And that frustrates me as well mm-hmm, is when mm-hmm. Christians would think that like God is just talking to Americans as if we're his, you know, his favorite people mm. in the world. And I, that really bothers me when Christians see Christianity as like this American thing instead of a worldwide global thing. Uh, and the article didn't specifically say that, but those things can frustrate me when people would start to think like, oh, God wants Americans to change because that would imply that we are his chosen people founded on a Christian nation. And that stuff is all just not true. There you go. And I'm also not going to let the media slide on this. They know anytime they need 
to create some kind of conversation, poll yeah. 100 Christians. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Poll 100 Christians and you will be able to create a story. some it's sort true. of a story. True. You know, so I think the way that's also framed doesn't allow for it to be unpacked in a way for people to even see these people's opinion. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. All right. What do you have, Derek? Well, my guy, Michael, Michael B. Jordan, not Michael Jordan <laughs> from The Last Dance, but Michael B. Jordan is going to be playing Methuselah um, in a movie about the 969-year-old Bible character, uh, Methuselah. So some, some interesting stuff. The, the guy who directed Slumdog Millionaire is uh, is doing the film, so it's probably going to be amazing. Yeah, Danny but Boyle. It may or may not be about Methuselah from the Bible. They started off trying to do that, and I guess maybe... It didn't really work out. So they're like, we may change directions and it may be about, it may be na- it's going to be named Methuselah, but it may be about him or not. We don't know. Huh. But Michael B. Jordan is going to play it. Um, me and Jamie had an interesting conversation on the relevant pod, uh, uh, Instagram about this, which is uh, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan is going to literally just play everybody. And I'll watch every movie. He's going to play Cameron Strain. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to play Elvis Presley. He's, he's going to play Shrek. He's going to play whoever. I mean, they're just like, yo, give this guy everything. Yeah. He's the new uh, Samuel Dude, Jackson. I, when I was posting that that image of Michael B. Jordan that night, to, to you know, we were just sharing in this news that came out on Friday. I, I was I was gonna mess it around because like when we posted the fact that Nick Cage was gonna be Tiger King, I put Nick Cage's face on the Tiger King, right? You know, and I thought right. so we were gonna oh it'd be funny we could put Michael B. Jordan's face on an old Methuselah looking character. I went into like those face aging apps to try and age it. It did not work out. I just, I just, I just went ahead and I was like, I'm going magazine style with this one. We're just going to run a good looking photo. Michael B. Jordan. I can't, I cannot envision him as Methuselah. This is the issue. It's like, I got to be, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Okay. I've, I've been a Christian a long time and I've been reading the Bible for as long as I can remember. And right now, if, if, you know, just a thousand dollars on the table, I couldn't tell you what Methuselah did. I know he was old. <laughs> I don't old. know what the, I, I have no, I, I don't it. remember who he knew. I don't remember why we even know about him other than he was old. I couldn't tell you one. Was he a good guy or a bad guy? I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I can't remember one thing about Methuselah. I think he's old. They literally just bring him up in the, in the lineages yeah. to talk about uh, Noah's lineage. So the problem is, I think this is, I think this is going to wind up being like, most mainstream Christian films, which is mostly fantasy. Right. Like just like the, the Noah movie. The you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Rock monsters. Rock yeah. monsters. Like yeah. what the heck was yeah. that? You know what I mean? Like I think because it's not a lot of source material, they're like, guys, we only literally got three sentences <laughs> to make a movie. <laughs> They can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, they, they're gonna. It's gonna be crazy. I just hope the movie isn't long. To do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> in, 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 other news, in other news tonight. In other news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's. I got the elevator pitch for Methuselah. Ready? He's old. He's old. They're like, oh, what else? There we go. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's all we know. He's like, old. I'm in. I'm in. Right, I haven't played an old guy Sign yet. Me up. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. How much are you paying me? Oh, I'm man, in. yeah. Sure, why do not? It. Do it. Yeah. Make sure the money's all oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, one day joins us. I just want to give you everything. Show you I'm a southern gentleman. All I want to do is let you in. The good guys, good guys never win. I just want to be the one you call.
listening to Lainey. The song is Good Guys. Wande is the first female artist signed to Reach Records, uh, adding a feminine force to the male-dominated Christian hip-hop powerhouse. The Nigerian-born rapper, singer, dancer, and dynamic performer has toured nationally with label mates Lecrae, Andy Minio, and more, all within a year of receiving her first recording contract offer from Reach Records, where she had worked as an A&R administrator. Here to tell us about her debut project, Exit, and to play some of the songs, here is Wande. Hey, what's going on? I'm Wande, and so I was actually born in Nigeria, and my family immigrated to the United States when I was a baby, so I have Nigerian roots, immigrant roots, um, and so that informs like a lot of just my life and like um, a lot of my life decisions. Also within my household, like my dad and like 90% of the family is like Muslim and then my mom is a Christian. So that was also just like a duality I experienced growing up. But, um, you know, miraculously shout out to Jesus. You know, um, my dad allowed us to go to church growing up as, a, as kids just because he wanted us to have good morals. But through that, um, in a summer camp, I actually gave my life to Jesus and was on fire for God. Was kind of met with some turmoil along the way because my dad wasn't about that life. So wasn't allowed to go to church for a couple of years. So I had to do things like wake up at five in the morning to read the Bible and like go to work with my mom to like basically get picked up so that I could go to church and stuff like that. But um, it was a blessing in disguise because then God just threw a curveball in my life. And in a biology class, I discovered I was a rapper. And um, it's pretty crazy because through biology, you know, yeah, I just had like a whole new career shift. Um, I noticed that people really paid attention to the rapping. So I started using it as a way to like tell kids at school about Jesus at lunch. I would like do freestyle circles and stuff. And um, it just turned into a passion, basically. And after it turned into a passion, um, I just continued along the way, did some internships, interned with like Rapzilla, then ended up interning for Reach and then got offered a contract. And now I'm here doing music. <laughs> Yeah, I think Lecrae and them definitely paved the way. So it helps like a lot of stuff that I may have not had to go through because he had to go through it. So it helps more people be open. But I will say, like, I guess on a personal level, um, like, for instance, like I have a roommate who's now actually going to church with me. But when we first met, um, she like wanted nothing to do with God and stuff. And so whenever I told her, like, I was a rapper, I didn't tell her like the Christian part. But then she's like, oh, you're rapping about God. Like, I don't know if I can listen to this. And uh, but as she got to know me and like we got to do life together, she began to see that like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you're talking about God, like the music is good and like and stuff like that. So. I think some people have like an internal stigma where they feel like they're not holy enough to like listen to it, which is why they feel bad. But um, 
but yeah i think just through our lives and stuff um we're able to just welcome people in i think um i, I definitely try to break down the stigma because i feel like the same thing happens like in life if you live a life that's like glorifying god sometimes your friends if you're like with that first saved crowd they're like oh well i don't know if i can hang out with you anymore because you're trying to do the jesus thing you know and so i think the same thing happens with music Came down, I ain't stopping, I'm gonna go uh, God feel sounds, I'm gonna heal him with the hope uh, Going with the sound, now keep it on the low I'm gonna put it in the flow, cause I really got Yeah, so it's really beautiful, cause like, songs like Happy and like Be Yourself and Nice Things Like, we made those in one day, so it was super like, super natural, yeah So, um, it was super great to be able to create that I love Happy because it's just kind of expressing like Don't let your happiness be conditional on the things you have or be conditional on your environment because i think a lot of times we confuse our emotions with just our eternal state and so your emotions you know they can be fleeting they can be deceiving like you can be sad and we can be um honest with ourselves and be like okay i'm sad this situation sucks so it's like corona you can be like i'm honest like i'm sad i can't go outside a lot of people lost their jobs stuff like that but at the same time you don't have to let that affect your soul and be like, well, I'm just going to be depressed now because at the same time, like the Lord is our provider. And so realizing that we need to find our true happiness and joy in him. So that way we are almost like a thermostat and dictate our surroundings versus letting our surroundings dictate us. That was Wande. Make sure to check out her debut album, Exit. It's out now. You're listening to Yosef. The song is The Sun Is Up Forever. Okay, like we said, it's a special it's a special episode for you graduates. Since you don't get the chance to, you know, walk across the stage and have everybody clap for you and all that kind of stuff, we thought we would shine a little light on you, make you feel a little special here on the show. Uh, we went on to Twitter this past week and asked you guys, if you're a graduating senior, if you had any questions for the Relevant Podcast cast. You guys hit us up. And here's a few of the ones that came in. Uh, Greg Varney, who's uh, graduating from Appalachian State University, he asked, he said, I'm a communications major graduating into pretty much the worst job market in American history. Assuming I won't be able to find a normal, uh, normal employment, do you have any suggestions for creative ways I can make some money? I got it. Okay. Stripping. <laughs> Greg, you, bro, 
This is your season. This is your time. I <laughs> did know not see that one coming. You know, stripping is it. Like you literally, like this is the time. You can film yourself doing it. Um, it's a, I know, I know it is. Derek, you thought job, about this too much. Yeah, but listen, no, 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 no. Think about this. Think about this. All you have to do literally is go to Lowe's and get some paint stripper, strip down walls and get them ready. For people oh, to paint, it's oh, super okay, easy. Got it. That's Look literally everyone still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Chip and Joe reference thing, guys. Come on, yeah, Chip. I'm just Chip saying, up. man. Like people need their walls stripped, bro. You got this, Greg. Greg. <laughs> Greg, I, 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 if I were you, I'd look at getting in the franchise, specifically a hot new restaurant chain called Pasquelli's Pizza and Wings. They're popping up everywhere. I mean, it's seemingly overnight. They're in every town in America. I don't know how they're doing, but you got to get on that gravy train, friend. Oh, my God. I was thinking you could look up some late night um, TV shows, talk about writing some new monologues for them. You know, yeah, communication major. There you yeah. go. Uh, they, are, they seem very desperate. <laughs> Wes Grady is uh, graduating from Ohio State. Uh, the what do they call it? The Hawkeyes. O H I O Ohio State University. That's it. I was thinking of the U. No, I was like, that's yeah. Miami. Uh, I'm having a virtual graduation. Wes says, and no party. Any ideas for still making graduation something epic? Uh, um, yes. Cancel the virtual graduation because that sounds super. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Grady. Staring at a Zoom screen. It, you know, we've already we've already we've already seen the cautionary tale of Ben Sass. I guarantee you if you just cancel this virtual just party, skip it. no one hey, no one's wanting to really go to the virtual thing. It's kind of an obligation. Uh you know, just uh you know, literally anything you do other than sitting in front of a Zoom screen will probably be better than than that. So uh that that's my yeah, I was gonna say, just make sure you invite Ben Sass. Whatever you do, <laughs> like whatever you do, make sure you invite him. Jamie, how would you help Wes here? I feel like this is. I feel so sorry for all these graduates because when he says any ideas for making it epic, no, there's no ideas for making it epic. <laughs> like I feel so sorry because it's yeah. such a hard time to make something epic. I'm not trying to be yeah. Debbie Downer. I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe That's, do something epic in September. Yeah. Hey Wes, you know there's hey, a global Wes. pandemic happening right now, right? I just want to make sure. Maybe yeah, maybe this is I just want to make epic. sure you're following the news. <laughs> I feel right. so sorry uh, for them. Lindsay Robertson's graduated from Liberty University. She says, I'm a journalism major, thinking that it might be better to just go to grad school and wait a couple years to enter the job market. Thoughts? I mean, I'll as someone who's has a journalism degree and has been in this field a long time, I would I would not recommend grad school. I mean, I've, I've, I've read a lot of resumes for journalists and, and, and have been able to hire a lot. Grad school wasn't really, Ever. I would rather see clippings. I'd rather I, I see, see experience. a portfolio. You and, know what I mean? If you're a good writer, I don't, you know. If you, if you graduate with no experience but a, a, a master's in journalism, you... You don't have the experience for an entry level job, but you're too educated for an entry level job in, in media. Yeah, that's good. And, 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 and like Jesse said, it's all about clips. It's about experience. It's about getting an internship, writing for free, just getting your name published. Yeah. That's hustle. the most important uh, thing for journalism. Spend those two majors. years hustling. Yeah, that's what I would do. That would be my advice. But, Instead of spending the money on grad school, spend a couple of years hustling, taking every assignment you can. Yeah. yeah. Well, but she, you know what she's up against in the last two months, 30,000 journalism jobs have been lost, you know? So, Man. uh, 
they, she's going up. That's daunting. Uh, sorry, Lindsay. Okay. Uh, last question. <laughs> last question. Uh, Christina Rush is graduating from Biola University. She says, I'm an education grad and don't start my job till the fall. Oh, she's got a job. Good for her. I have a summer free. Any suggestions for, for making it one to remember? You're going to be watching a lot of Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you checked out Tiger King now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to make it. One, yeah. to one to remember in a global pandemic. That's true. I, I mean, yeah. We're all going to remember this summer. It's like, you know, we're going to remember the summer of 2020 when we couldn't do anything. So I feel like it's so yeah. bad for all these people. Like they're just going to have zoom parties for the whole summer they're gonna have zoom watch parties what is that don't you love those jesse where you like sit and what you know netflix has parties you can watch a movie at the same yeah. time and talk to each other yeah yeah or or i could just close my laptop and not be uncomfortable the whole time <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right well thanks everybody for uh for sending in your questions and congratulations, congratulations. to the graduates of 2020. Uh, man. Treat, treat, treat yourself to a fine Pascali's <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese pizza tonight. <laughs> All right. Thank you to Chelsea and Judah Smith for joining us. Make sure to check out their ministry. Uh, you can find it on the Church Home app, wherever you get your apps. And also follow them on Instagram. They're doing some great content right now, especially during the quarantine. Also, thanks to Wande for joining us. You can check out her debut album, Exit, wherever you get your music. Well, on that note, we will wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. And I'm Derek Miner. We will see you next Friday. Have a great week, everyone. listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on twitter facebook and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts check out our relevant podcast network featuring shows like relevant daily signs of life unedited and many more launching throughout the year Hey, Snowflakes, comedy ain't safe. Relevant Podcast Network.